Section 11 of Wellington by George Hooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 8 Wellington's Offensive Campaigns, Part 1. The time was now near when it would be possible and profitable to assume the offensive and strike directly at the French in Leon and Castile. Portugal had been secured by the craft and daring which wrested the two frontier fortresses from the enemy. The next thing was to break the direct line of communication between Seville and Madrid, and that was accomplished when Hill, the best of all his lieutenants, victoriously surprised the French at Almaraz, broke the bridge, destroyed the works on the right bank and blockaded the fort on the Mirabete on the left, which an irresolute officer failed to seize. The French having been deprived of Almaraz by Wellington's direction, the engineer Sturgeon repaired the bridge at Alcantara, and thus a shorter line of communication was established between the British forces on the Agueda and those in Estremadura. At the same time, the navigation of the Doru and Tagus was improved to facilitate the transport of supplies, and finding that both marshals expected to be attacked, Wellington did all he could to confirm each in his opinion. The consequence was that no plan of concerted operations against him could be formed, and from his own sources of intelligence and their intercepted letters he was acquainted with the dissensions raging in the hostile camps. King Joseph, who had been made commander-in-chief, was unable to exact obedience from his captains, and thus the British general, who was bent on an offensive movement, enjoyed the advantage which it confers on one acting against perplexed and jealous adversaries. By patience and sound judgment at all times, by a wise audacity at the right moment, he had obtained a military as well as a moral ascendancy, and was about to reap the harvest which his long-suffering, his ceaseless labours, and his genius as a soldier and statesman had sown and nurtured in an ungrateful soil. When Napoleon, on June thirteenth, at the head of the Grand Army, was advancing on the Niemen, the little Anglo-Portuguese host, so long held at bay, sprang joyfully over the Agueda and marched toward Salamanca. Four days afterwards they were over the fords of the Tormes, and while one division invested the fortified convents, Wellington faced Marmont from the heights of San Cristobal. The French marshal advanced to relieve the forts which were now enduring a siege, and he had a fair chance, for the means, as usual, were insufficient, although on this occasion the error in judgment was caused by the imperfect report of spies. Hence the guns were too few or unsuitable, the bright moon hindered the working parties, and the engineers were still engaged in their task, when Marmont hastened over the plain with twenty-five thousand men. Then, while the forts were battered day after day, the two main armies maneuvered and wrestled on the hills and on both sides of the Tormes. Neither would take the initiative in a battle, Marmont because he could not get a chance which suited him, Wellington because he would not risk the success of his large plans, even when his rival furnished an opportunity. At one moment the siege operations were stayed for want of ammunition, but it was not until June 27th, ten days after the investment, that the garrison was compelled to surrender. For some reason, either weakness in cavalry, or the knowledge that reinforcements from the north and centre would not arrive, Marmont, after the fall of the forts, retreated over the Doru. 
the mere incursion of wellington had shaken the french defensive system for bonnet's fine division was drawn from the asturias which enabled the galician troops to invest astorga and the partisans on the coast aided by admiral popham's squadron as far east as bilbao to resume their activity the french held torro tordesillas and tudela on the river and wellington following took post on the left bank for his advance was arrested by the strength of the position and his usual difficulties growing out of want of money were almost fatal bonnet there joined marmont and the latter thought that the time had come to retort upon his adversary he resolved to cross the doru and his plans were so cleverly laid and neatly executed that he succeeded in gaining an initial advantage for he marched two whole divisions to the left bank at toro and when attention had been drawn thither he rapidly marched them back and flung his whole army over the stream at tordesillas wellington was not wholly surprised but he was in peril to meet an attack from toro he had collected his left and centre on the guarena but the right was still on the trabancos under sir stapleton cotton and on july eighteenth was in the presence of the french army he held his ground and imposed on the adversary for a few hours but some french horse dashing over the stream and nearly capturing both wellington and beresford found that only a part of the army was in line thereupon marmont who was bold enough and apt in invention sent his masses onwards toward the guarena bent on turning the british right and the two armies marched for ten miles on an open plain in parallel lines the french marshal hoped to reach the commanding tableland at valesa but he was forestalled by his alert antagonist and lost some men and a general in a combat near castrillon after a day's halt the game of manoeuvres was resumed by marmont who moving swiftly up the guarena crossed it near its sources and fairly turned the right of the allied position at valesa and then the two armies once more marched side by side racing to gain positions near salamanca the french had the better for although wellington secured the hills in front of san cristobal marmont planted his troops on the heights above the tormes which commanded the ford at huerta which gave him an access to the country on the left bank so far the marshal had won the advantage in manoeuvring in other respects the armies were fairly matched the slight superiority in number was on the side of the allies who also had more cavalry but the french were nearly as many and they had more guns whether there would be a battle now depended upon marmont for wellington would not fight unless his rival gave him a fair occasion the allies fell back to san cristobal and on the twenty first when marmont crossing the tormes took up a position at calvariza de arriba wellington leaving the third division to watch a french division established at babi la fuente also planted his army on the same side of the river he was still while watching for a chance to fight meditating a retreat when the enemy on the twenty-second furnished an occasion the allies were posted on a line at right angles to the tormes and the french gathering over against them began the fray by a contest for the commanding hills among which were the famous arapiles two isolated craggy heights near the british right in the first rush the french gained the outer and the british the inner hill from which at first the leading companies were driven but quickly recovering halfway down 
and enraged at their mishap they dashed forward and secured the summit it was from this elevation that wellington watched the movements of his opponent who was opposite the british left the french divisions coming out of the forest were seen to extend more and more to their own left and the english line was changed until it was parallel to the tormes as there was no longer any need to guard the other bank the third division was brought over and posted on the right in the low ground about aldea tejara the day advanced yet there was no general action wellington went to sleep desiring to be roused when the french left then pointing towards the rodrigo road reached a certain wood lord fitzroy somerset duly awakened his chief who mounting the hill gazed steadily on the french array and seeing how great was the gap between the moving hostile divisions and the centre he gave the signal for battle the whole line pivoting upon the mountain block descended into the lower ground moving upon the flank of the erring enemy while the third division threw itself forward on the front of the column and cotton's horsemen were straining to charge the contest was brief for the french division was crushed by the infantry and ridden over by the cavalry which came like a torrent up the valley and in less than an hour marmont's line of battle was irretrievably broken at the earliest perception of the danger when he saw that wellington detecting his rashness had prepared to strike he rode forward to rectify or mitigate the blunder but was hit severely and carried from the field bonnet who succeeded shared a like fate and then the heavy task fell upon clausel at that time the whole british line had swung forward pivoting on the left until it was again parallel to the tormes so swift had been the stroke and the great cavalry charge had spent its terrible force so that the french still numerous were driven to the verge of the forest by great energy and greater skill clausel himself wounded formed a fresh front of battle and even made an attack but at the right moment when there was apparent danger wellington ever watchful and resolute brought up the sixth division frustrated his able foe and continued to push him back clausel was now fighting to cover his retreat he had one great advantage the spanish garrison posted in alba de tormes had been withdrawn without notice to wellington and thus the french got clear off in the gloom for wellington thinking alba blocked pursued to the huerta ford where he found no one his great plan was thwarted by spanish neglect it was in riding to the huerta ford that he was struck by a shot which happily passed through a holster i saw him late on the evening of that great day writes napier when the advancing flashes of cannon and musketry stretching as far as the eye could command showed in the darkness how well the field was won he was alone the flush of victory was on his brow and his eyes were eager and watchful but his voice was calm and even gentle how different from the fierce and angry countenance and silent abrupt bearing seen by the same acute observer on the sierra de busaco it marks the difference between a retreat upon torres vedras before the spoilt child of victory and an advance which was to carry him to madrid clausel with his diminished host was forced persistently back upon burgos king joseph who had moved out of madrid over the guadarama mountains hearing of marmont's defeat returned hastily to his capital which he had to quit again in disorder because the allied right wing was at his heels 
and there was no succor nearer than Suchet. Wellington entered Madrid on August 12th and was welcomed as a deliverer by the people who crowded around his horse, hung on his stirrups, touched his clothes, and throwing themselves on the earth, blessed him aloud as the friend of Spain. When he had forced the French garrison in the Retiro to surrender, Madrid for a time was free from the enemy, yet not for many weeks. One object of the campaign was to set free Andalusia, and it was accomplished. Soult, reluctantly obeying the orders of King Joseph, raised the siege of Cadiz, destroyed guns and stores, and a fortnight after Wellington entered Madrid, had passed through Seville on the road to Valencia. An Anglo-Sicilian expedition was at Alicante. Hill watched the passes through the Sierra Morena, and Spanish troops should have followed the French to the Alcaraz Mountains, but did not, which had serious results at a later period. Now it was when the British general received sure intelligence that Soult was leaving Andalusia that he quitted Madrid to push his warfare beyond the Doru. Nor did he move a moment too soon, for the enterprising Clausel drove the Spaniards from Valladolid in the middle of August. Foix made a bold dash down the river to pick up the garrisons left in Taro and Zamora, and the safety of the road to Salamanca was imperiled. But when on the first week of September Wellington crossed the Guadarrama and moved upon the Doru, Clausel drew in his daring troops. Valladolid was recovered, and the able Frenchman was forced back not only to Burgos, but to Briviesca on the Oca. The obstacle now was the castle of Burgos, heavily armed, garrisoned by 1,700 French troops, and commanded by Du Breton, whose fame rivals that of Philippon. Upon the speedy reduction of this stronghold much depended, for it was a question of time, since if Soult could not be detained beyond the Tagus, or if a French army could be collected to relieve the place, the Allies would be forced to retreat upon Ciudad Rodrigo. Wellington began the siege on the 19th, hoping to finish it early, but it was strong. His guns were few and insufficient. The assaults failed, the Portuguese troops were inapt for the work, and the enemy was ingenious as well as bold. Not only were the means inadequate, but the general underrated the task, and after more than a month spent in desperate efforts to beat down the work, he was obliged to raise the siege and hurry away. For the French general Suam, sent from France, had assembled an army at Briviesca and was moving forward. The combinations designed to embarrass Soult had failed. He had joined Joseph at Almansa in the first days of October, and both were advancing on Madrid. Nothing stood in their way except the army under Hill on the Tagus, and he could not encounter the combined forces of Soult and the king. Andalusia had been relieved, but the whole available French strength was thereby enabled to converge upon the Allies. With one body numerically superior close upon him, and a still more dangerous foe pointing toward his line of retreat upon Portugal, it behooved Wellington to seek safety. Nor was it easily attained, for Suam came on with resolution, and it was only by the daring step of crossing the Arlanzon under the guns of the castle, a feat done by night with deftness and celerity, that the army was drawn out of reach. Yet the whole road backward to the Doru was the scene of recurring combats, for the French are great in pursuit, and all Wellington's coolness and judgment was required to extricate himself from his peril. 
he succeeded and on the twenty ninth eight days after he filed past burgos his army was over the doru the bridges were broken behind him but a french captain and his company swam the river at tordesillas and won the tower there a feat which would have enabled suam to cross had not wellington at once moved his army to the left and forbade the attempt at this time hill was still on the tagus and opposite to him the king's powerful army under soult the english general was so trusted by his chief that he gave him the choice of his line of retreat but he expressed his preference for the guadarrama route which would enable the two fractions to unite hill took that line yet not before he was pressed and removing or destroying the stores in madrid he passed the mountains and took the shorter line to alba de tormes because suam being expeditious in bridging the doru obliged wellington to retire direct upon san cristobal instead of effecting a junction with hill at aravalo on the adaja thus on november eighth after much marching and fighting the chief and his lieutenant at the head of sixty-eight thousand men were united and arrayed near the battlefield of salamanca while the combined armies of the french a hundred thousand strong were rushing down upon them over the plains of castile and leon the english general held his ground and rested his wearied troops prepared to fight if he could to retreat if he must while marshal jourdain counselled battle soult preferred to manoeuvre and his advice prevailed but it was not until the fourteenth that the french host diminished by detachments to ninety thousand men began the operation of turning the british position by ascending and crossing the tormes in the hope of gaining the road to suidad rodrigo then the allied host was concentrated on the old battleground and held there in the hope of being attacked but as soult still worked away to his left wellington resolved although they were so near to march round the french army a feat which he accomplished by dint of audacity swiftness the aid of a thick fog and better roads an astonishing exploit even in war where so much is unexpected and only explicable on the supposition that wellington's marches victories and good fortune had given him a mastery over the minds of his antagonists thus the roads to suidad rodrigo were secured and on the nineteenth the troops were back on the Agueda. the retreat from salamanca was not made without losses of men and baggage the capture of general paget and one sharp combat on the huerba but there the pursuit stopped and the campaign was over a little later the army went into winter quarters over a wide territory and the man who was the soul of the war and the peninsula ever active in so many and such diverse ways began to meditate those final plans which brought his prolonged and mighty exertions to a victorious close although we have not been able to hold the two castiles he wrote to dumouriez november thirtieth from freneda our campaign has not been a bad one and we are in a position to make a good one next year such was his modest way of describing a great success the circumstances of the hour were growing more and more propitious napoleon's gigantic russian invasion had gone to wreck on the day when wellington flitted so deftly from burgos the french emperor had just seen the last of moscow and at the moment when wellington was writing the letter which has been quoted napoleon was dating his dispatches from villages on the right bank of the ice-laden beresina which he had crossed three days before the full extent of his prodigious misfortunes was not then known in freneda 
but enough had been reported to render it certain that the genius of napoleon would be taxed to keep a hold on germany and that he would have few resources or none to spare for spain another fact which gave some little help was that the cortes had sanctioned the appointment of wellington to the post of commander-in-chief of the spanish armies and during the winter he visited cadiz in order to make the arrangement as solid and useful as might be possible far greater in importance was the increased weight conferred on him at home by his victories and the evident fruits of his victories he was raised to the rank of marquis thanked again by both houses and granted one hundred thousand pounds the opposition no longer spoke of him with contempt lord grey who having objected to the vote of thanks proposed after talavera had handsomely retracted his earlier opinions when Massena was driven from portugal now joined lord wellesley in his attack on the government because they had not sufficiently supported their great general as wellington stood apart from politics and served his country the wholesome change wrought at home by the magician's success increased still further his moral power not only over the british the spanish and the portuguese but over the enemy therefore when he received reinforcements during the winter especially in cavalry he was able under better auspices and on firmer ground to prepare for the coming campaign the awful disaster in russia had placed the defenders and invaders of spain on less unequal terms the french army of occupation diminished in number yet still reckoned by the hundred thousand was without a competent head for joseph had induced his brother to recall soult and napoleon imposed on his subordinates in spain tasks which a captain equal to himself alone might have been able to achieve he underrated the obstacles did not or would not understand that the political and military facts had become adverse to his cause and that there was at hand a genius who could profit by the conjuncture wellington indeed was now to secure the reward of his long-tried patience and ever-active skill during the spring of eighteen thirteen he set on foot a series of operations all over spain and on her coasts which occupied bewildered and paralyzed the french commanders organized strongly his own army which exceeded seventy thousand men framed a plan of campaign which the adversary could not or did not penetrate and then suddenly breaking in upon them where he was least expected shook down the fabric of their power at one blow the months of labor the astute contrivances the assiduous care which embraced small things as well as great and the far-reaching application of sound business principles to the furtherance of his design must be digested in detail to be appreciated here we can only deal with the bold outlines of the fascinating story the french armies were scattered between toledo and the pyrenees expecting an attack but uncertain where the stroke would fall when the anglo-portuguese army quitting winter quarters started forward into the heart of the disarray sir thomas graham with forty thousand men moved first stealthily crossing the doru at oporto and lomego and working through the trasos montes in order to surprise the french on the esla when he was well forward hill brought up the right wing to behar and the centre assembling in front of suidad rodrigo wellington rode in from freneda and joined that body both pushed out toward salamanca flanked by spanish cavalry and it is written that on passing the agueda on may twenty second the general rose in his stirrups took off his hat and cried farewell portugal 
so the columns strode along the french outposts falling back before them and so well timed were the marches that both generals arrived together on the tormes where the frenchman villat waited too long and being overtaken near santa marta and aldia lengua his troops suffered and he lost six guns that encounter was followed up by a march on the doru at samora and toro whither graham had not yet come but by the end of the month his junction with the other columns was secured for wellington leaving hill in command had passed over the doru in a basket slung on a rope stretched from rock to rock and his presence in graham's camp supplied a stimulus which always told then the difficulty of crossing the esla was overcome and bridges being laid on the doru the whole army ninety thousand strong with one hundred guns was soon in line on the right bank of that river as the troops were eager and hardy and the leading good a fortnight had sufficed to draw this mass together from widely separated starting points and the result was a complete surprise to an adversary ignorant of graham's march the mighty array beyond the doru seeming to have sprung out of the earth the french astonished and hesitating abandoned madrid and managed to hurry their divisions over the river and get well upon the high road to france after a halt at toro the pursuers sprang forward on june fourth and on the seventh they were over the carrion king joseph was driven to burgos the spaniards swarming on his flanks and the allies at his heels he did not halt but blowing up the castle of burgos hastened with his stores his host of followers his court and his treasure over the ebro holding pancorvo and its forts to cover his position hoping that he might be allowed to regain the lost initiative not so wellington working by his left swung over the ebro far above miranda opened communication with santander as a new base and swept through and over the stony and rugged hills by roads and no roads which fairly turned the enemy's right his soldiers on their arduous way meeting unexpectedly and beating two french brigades thus on the eighteenth while reille who had suffered in that combat held a position on the bayas stream at subijana the main body of the french filed through the pass of puebla into the valley of vitoria where after a long race it was brought to bay foreya unable to stay on the mountain went over the zadora on the nineteenth and wellington using the following day to reconnoitre framed his plan of battle the zadora flowing from the eastward until it reaches the hills is there shouldered off abruptly to the south and enters the ebro through the defile of puebla within the elbow formed by the river was the french position the right was high up at the bridges near ariaga and gamara mayor and minor not far from vitoria there reille the best french soldier on the field held a position which guarded the high road through tolosa to bayonne but the main body was posted on a traverse ridge six miles to the westward its right resting on the zadora where it bends to the south its left upon the mountain running east from the puebla defile behind vitoria blocking the royal road were the military chest the baggage the equipages of the court and the artillery parks the army was diminished by a strong detachment sent with a convoy toward france but general clausel was approaching from the side of logroño and foy who was in huispuqua was ordered up to vitoria those two although clausel came near never reached the field having inspected the ground and being always inclined to go forward and get close he was candidated during his ride 
Wellington resolved to direct Graham against Reyes' troops at Gamara and Ariaga, send Hill through the Puebla defile to attack the left on the ridge, and lead his main body himself straight through the mountains upon the right and centre of the French line. The troops were in movement at daybreak on June 21, 1813, but they had steep and rough ground to traverse, and the action did not begin until the forenoon, when Hill, having cleared the defile, pressed in upon the French left. At this time Wellington's divisions were over the hills and among the woods in the Zadora Valley, heading for the bridges, none of which had been broken. Away on the British left, beyond the visible spires of Vittoria, the smoke of Graham's guns rose above the trees, and their muffled roar was faintly heard. A peasant informed Wellington that the bridge at Tres Puentes was unguarded, and Kemp's brigade of the Light Division was instantly sent across, established close to the French line, and employed at once to fall on the foe up the river and enable the third and seventh divisions to cross almost unopposed. Then the fourth advanced over the bridge of Nanclares, and thus the fight was developed on a broad front. Hill had gained ground on one side, Picton and Dalhousie on the other, while the sound of Graham's battle became more and more audible. The French line was shaken, and the king intent on retreat, when Wellington, who had ridden far to the front, seeing that a hill near the village of Arignes, in the centre of the position, was barely guarded, himself took the third division, Picton riding at its head, dressed in a blue coat and round hat, led it at a running pace diagonally across the front of both armies and carried the hill. The combat now raged along the ridges with great fury, for the French were fighting to gain time and form afresh to the rear. That time was not granted. The hills and villages were seized, and sweeping onward the Allies drove the enemy step by step through the fields and woods close up to Vittoria, and all the time Graham's artillery thundering on their right rear quickened their pace or steadied their resistance, for, as the sound did not advance, it showed that Reye held his ground. The strife in front of Vittoria was fierce, desperate, and prolonged until the line was turned, and as the transport blocked the high road to Bayonne, Joseph was obliged to retreat on Pampeluna. Reille all day defended his bridges, which were taken and retaken more than once, and saved the army, for he did not yield until the headlong pursuers from the main battle rushed in upon him. Then he ably drew off, hotly followed, and getting through Metauco in the darkness, joined the flying host on the road to Pamplona. Such, in brief, was the decisive victory at Vittoria. The enemy's loss of men, including prisoners, was hardly greater than that of the Allies, five or six thousand, but they lost one hundred and fifty out of one hundred and fifty-two guns, all their ammunition wagons, baggage, public and private, their provisions, transport animals, and one million sterling of treasure. Jourdain's baton, much jewelry, many pictures, and a mass of official records were taken, while the field was littered with the plunder which the king and his generals had endeavoured to carry away. The Swiss did not capture more when they surprised Charles the Rash at Granson in 1476, and took his camp, and all it was his to the value of three million crowns. While King Joseph retreated through the mountains to France, pursued by part of the Light Division, 
wellington was intent on keeping him separated from clausel or snapping up that general if he gave a chance and graham went down the royal road to deal with foy clausel gave no chance but descending the ebro to saragossa hastened thence northward and regained his country by the pass of Hacca. in passing by pamplona the king reinforced the garrison and foy before retiring through tolosa filled san sebastian with good troops none of the invading host save suchet now remained in spain and he was or thought he was fully occupied by the insurrection and the anglo-sicilian army in valencia and catalonia in order to secure a new base on the biscayan coast sir thomas graham was ordered to invest and besiege san sebastian and wellington disposed the rest of his army so as to blockade pamplona and cover the siege operations a fortnight after the battle of vittoria the four posts of the allied army were on the french frontier facing their redoubtable adversaries from the famous pass of roncesvalles to the mouth of the bidashoa on the first day of july napoleon in his quarters at dresden received disquieting news from spain referring apparently to joseph's retreat from burgos upon the ebro whatever the scope of that intelligence it was of a character to make him adopt a strong resolution addressing soult then in his camp he said you will start before ten o'clock this evening travel incognito reach paris on the fourth obtain the best information from the minister of war and the arch-chancellor stay not longer in paris than twelve hours but continue your route to take the command of my armies in spain soult obeyed with such diligence that on july twelfth he reached bayonne and took on himself a burden too heavy for joseph and jourdain and although the army was not in spain it still derived its title from that ill-used country napoleon at this time fresh from his latest triumphs at lutzen and bautzen hoped that his lieutenant would preserve the line of the ebro and ward off danger from that quarter an armistice had stopped hostilities in germany but it only covered preparations on both sides for a future and deadlier struggle while providing soult with nearly a hundred thousand men the emperor believed he could make head against the coalition to colincourt his plenipotentiary at prague where the powers were conferring he said tell them that if they wish to prolong the armistice i am ready if they wish to fight i am ready and reporting what was the fact that on july twenty fourth twenty fifth really soult had marched on pamplona the english he said surprised by a prompt movement which they did not expect were falling back before the marshal's host End of section eleven